Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham. And on today's episode, we have Brina. Brina is a wife mom to two girls, a bonus mom to three boys, a doula, and a future student midwife who, through her two births, has experienced hospital transfer, a NICU stay, and postpartum depression, anxiety, and OCD, all of which she shares about on this episode. Brina's biggest message to other women and birthing people is that it's okay to take up space, make your own autonomous, informed choices, and not to let others shake your faith that you and you alone know what's best for your body. And thank you so much to Brina um, for allowing me to record your story and hold space for you. And thank you all so much for being here today. Hi, Brittany Ann. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. So good to have you. Hey. (laughs) Hey. <laughs> so yeah, wherever you would like to begin your story, please share. All right. So I guess this is kind of a twofer because my first daughter, her labor actually started today 11 years ago. Oh. Um, a three-day labor. Wow. (laughs) Serendipitous that we're doing this today. Um, (laughs) And then my recent baby is nine months. And yeah, I think I have barely started processing all of that. So if I uh, cry, I don't mind that. But um, for context for hers, I have to go into my oldest daughter's story because a lot of it kind of clicks together. Mm hmm. Um, so I got pregnant at 19. My mom was in Arizona. I was in Washington and I was on birth control. So it was totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. And her father's first response was, oh, we're well, getting an abortion, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I basically was like, ah, no, that's not an option for me. Um, yeah. So my best friends were more my support system than he was. And in fact, when I went to like the anatomy scan and everything that you do when you don't know better, um, she like was on his phone the whole time and me and my best friend were the ones crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally convinced him to get a doula because I thought that would help. And she was... A nice person, but not what I needed. I'm pretty stubborn. I think it's the Taurus in me. And I need someone <laughs> that can like go toe to toe. Mm-hmm. And she was very like gentle, soft, meek in the background. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really help me too much. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think like doulas are awesome. I'm, I am a doula, but I think you really have to like jive and find someone that works for you, not just grab the first person because that, that, that is what I did at 19. Wow. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally. And there's totally a doula out there for everyone, you know, depending on your personality. It's, it's, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. And I think it bears pointing out that her father was 30 when I was 18. Mm, okay. Um, and he was the first person I willingly gave myself to. And it's kind of cheesy. It's because he was a redhead and I have a soft spot. <laughs> and he made me like homemade chocolate. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> Sign but me up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. Um, yep. <laughs> so I was in labor for three days, and the first day I really didn't believe it. Um, I woke up and I had this intense earning to go to his parents' house to use their like deeper tub because my apartment's tub was not very deep at all mm -hmm. and like it covered your thighs maybe <laughs> and so I went all the way like a three-hour trip to his parents place and I stayed in the tub all day for an unknown reason at the time and then drove back went to climb into bed and no one tells you that when your water breaks sometimes it's like a waterfall uh-huh I thought I peed myself because I went to get up on this giant sleigh bed that, I mean, it was like up over my hips. That's how tall it was. Like I had to climb into this thing and I had water running down my legs and I'm like, um, cool. I peed myself. And then every step from the bed to the bathroom, I was leaking more. Mm -hmm. And I remember texting my doula and saying, I think I might've lost my mucus plug. <laughs> because I really had no idea mm -hmm. yeah and then they were like okay well just try and get some rest and I put on avatar like the not the last airbender but the like the movie with like the cool stripey people oh yeah yeah there. yeah anyway, and totally totally I love that movie I saw it like five times it's a good movie. I put it on to try and relax. <laughs> relax. Watch the whole thing. He slept next to me. I decided at like 7 a.m. I wanted pumpkin pie and there's a little diner that was right next to the apartment complex. So I walked in there and the owner, his name is Jay. And um, he was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm in labor. And he literally was like, you're what? why are you here? I was like, cause I want some pumpkin pie. And he's like, okay, do you want the whole pie? You can just take it and go. And I'm like, I'm going to sit and eat it because that was a long walk. We're like hovering, watching like his, he had his phone in his hand and I'm like, I'm pretty sure if I would have like made any sound, he was just going to call an ambulance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and then um went back to the apartment and I was really uncomfortable. So I ran the bath, forgetting that I had ran a hot water wash with all the towels I had previously soaked mm. and ran out of hot water really quick. Mm. And so then I called the midwives. I'm like, I need the tub. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, 
well, how far apart are your contractions? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't been timing it, but I need the tub and I'm out of hot water. And they were like, well, you can come in. That's fine. And I think this was like Sunday because mm-hmm. Saturday, I think is when labor started. And Monday was Martin Luther King Day. And that's when she was born. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this would have been like Sunday morning. Okay. And so my best friend and my boyfriend and I all got in the car and he wanted to stop at the damn grocery store because he's an idiot. And I'm literally <laughs> sitting in the front seat with the seat pushed all the way back and my best friend's in the back and she tells me this story and I believe it. I don't really remember it. I remember being very uncomfortable, but apparently I was like hitting the dash and telling the car to please grow. I need some more room, get bigger. Hmm. <laughs> I don't really remember it. I believe it. it makes sense. <laughs> this time I ended up in the car too, and I think that was the worst part. So I don't know. Cars, cars are horrible in labor. Totally. Yeah. Um, so he gets the first dinner, and he's like, "I'm going to tell my parents," and I was like, "Please don't. I don't really want them here." Like his mom weirded me out because she was always like, "Oh." And like oh god it got on my nerves so bad and I did not want her there and I, he was like okay I won't tell her and I was GBS positive mm. and they were like well we're gonna let the student try and stick you and I was like well I'm a hard stick mm-hmm. and they're like that's okay she needs the practice and I was like okay I guess I, I don't matter mm. and it took three sticks to get the stupid IV in me at the oh birth center uh. while I'm in labor yeah and, and I think it's worth pointing out that my labor started to slow down at that point like I was having pretty regular contractions and they started slowing down mm-hmm. when I got there I was a four mm-hmm. and they did the like hour or whatever of the stupid antibiotics and I got in the tub and I and they started picking back up and like my doula was literally just sitting in a chair my best friend was like putting a washcloth on my head he was asleep in the bed and the midwives weren't there. They were like, we'll come in and check on you. We'll give you space, which was actually really kind of cool. But at the time I felt really alone. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I know, his mother is there while I'm literally naked in the tub. And she goes, oh, Brina. <laughs> and I kid you not, my contraction stopped. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I understand why. But at the time, totally. I did not know what was going on. And it was like. I don't know, 7 or 8 p.m. Mm. Was this still Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They stopped. They checked. The midwives came in. Like, and I was like, I told my friend, I'm like, you need to get them to leave. And so she was like, all right. She got them to go. She went to go get food. And then it was just me and my stupid boyfriend. And the midwives checked me and they're like, oh, you're still at a four, which was fantastic. Right. Um, and they suggested like trying to lay in the bed and rest. And I couldn't do that because it was uncomfortable. So then I tried to take a shower and I started getting some more contractions, but like, I was so tired because I did not sleep when I was supposed to yeah. the night before because I was too excited. Yeah. Um, no. So then they were like, well, let's check you again. And I was still at a four and like, the doula wasn't really helping my best friend. I ended up sending her home, which is a theme you'll notice because she had already been up with me for so long and I wanted her to get some rest. And I told her I'd call her when things got like 
closer. Mm -hmm. And um, then they were like, well, your water's been broken over 48 hours or whatever. And you're not progressing and you really need to get some rest. So why don't you go to the hospital and get an epidural? Mm. we'll go with you blah 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 and I was I was crying and I was like fine I'll I'll just go like I am exhausted like I was and the more tired I got the more it hurt mm-hmm. because I have a really crappy pain tolerance anyway and when you're tired your pain tolerance is gonna go down and of when course. you have a bunch of endorphins flooding your system mm-hmm. um so we called around and it, this at this point it was like after midnight so it was Monday and we called around And the only place that had an opening was like the university hospital, the teaching hospital, not the one I'd wanted to go to, but whatever. So we drove there and I made them stop and get me toast because I was hungry and I knew they weren't going to let me eat. So I'm sitting like squatting, like half in, half out of the car in the parking lot, eating toast. <laughs> and then we get up to this stupid triage and they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. How long have you been in labor? And I'm like, I don't know. And so the midwife kind of filled them in and they were like, okay, and then we'll hook you up to an IV and then we'll get the epidural person in here. Cool. But at that point, my contractions had picked back up. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't sit still. I coped with pain by rocking back and forth. Mm. And you can't do that when you get an epidural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my stupid boyfriend curled up on the stupid bed and went to sleep. And my doula was in front of me for the epidural trying to support me. And she was like 90 pounds soaking wet, really small thing, like really small. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a small person and I'm like rocking and she's trying to hold me. And how do you do a C when you have a giant baby in your belly anyway? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it took them three sticks to get the epidural in. Hmm. and I was yelling and I got yelled at by the anesthesiologist to stop yelling and swearing or he was just gonna leave wow (laughs) wow yeah yep and they finally got it because the first time it only worked on the right the second time it worked on the left and the third time my legs went numb oh yeah and like so they put the stupid thing in they're like push the button if you want some more or whatever And I curled up and I tried to sleep, but the stupid monitors are made for skinny people Mm. and they kept rolling and then they'd lose the baby. Mm -hmm. So like an hour of trying to sleep, I finally fell asleep because my doula just held it on into place for me. Mm -hmm. And like, I woke up and I was like, oh my God, there's a bowling ball. <laughs> because that's the only thing I could describe is there's a bowling ball in my vagina stuck. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so and like I hadn't been pushing the button. So like I felt her head. And so the doula was like, Oh, I'm gonna push the button for you. And I was like, sure. And I'm still sitting there going, Why is there a bowling ball? Like I was so delusional because like I didn't understand that it was a baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they come in and then like I there was like 10 people that came in that room, I swear. And like I pushed her out in two pushes, like on my side. At least I wasn't on my back. I was on my side. And I pushed her out in two pushes. And they didn't give her to me despite asking for her because she didn't cry right away. 
So they cut mm. the cord and took her to the other side of the room. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And so I'm trying to get out of the bed and they're trying to keep me in the bed because I had an epidural and mm-hmm. I could feel like everything. Like I could wiggle my toes. Like I was fine. So right. I literally am like untangling myself and walking across the room with an epidural still attached. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like, they were like mad at me and I was like, I just want to see what's going on. And so I stood there while they were like evaluating her. And then they were like, well, she needs to go to the NICU because her breathing is slower than we would like. Mm. And then I'm like, okay, uh, all right. And so they convinced me to sit back down. They take her to the NICU. I poop and they're like, do you want laxatives? And I'm like, no, I just pooped. I'm fine. And no one believed me. Oh, wow. That's frustrating. And so she was in the NICU. So they gave me a pump, but no one had told me how to use a pump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I turned it on and I turned it on the highest setting, which was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. I got a colostrum out, but I also cracked my nipples. Oh, Shortly. man. Ouch. Oh, I'm so sorry. So then I, oh, God, it was so horrible. And I'm like, if someone would have just told me how to use the pump, I think a lot of things would have been different. Yeah. But then I'm trying to go get her from the NICU and they keep telling me it's it's shift change. You can't, you have to wait an hour. Oh my God. So I waited almost two hours before I got to hold her. Uh, and yeah. I didn't even get to like hold, hold her until like another hour and a half passed because they were still observing her. So I just got to put my hand on her. Mm. And I remember just crying and being so frustrated because like everyone's so happy for me and I wasn't, happy at all mm-hmm. um and then they finally bring her to me and we're trying to nurse and it is not going well because it hurts a lot and so like I'm pumping and then we ended up having to stay in there like two days because she wouldn't latch so they weren't gonna let us go until she latched and then we went home and then three weeks later my gallbladder ruptured Wow. And so I had surgery and I was in the hospital for like a week. And so she got bottles of milk. And then after that, everyone's like, oh, well, if you just don't give her a bottle, she'll eat when she's hungry. And I just couldn't handle her crying. So like I ended up pumping for her for a year. Mm-hmm. And we used some donor milk. We tried some formula, but like she can't do formula. Yeah. It was like projectile vomit or screaming and constipation and like we tried like four or five kinds so I was really lucky that in Washington in Seattle in that area there was like eats on feet and human milk for human babies and like I had a friend who had a bit of an oversupply Mm -hmm. so there was probably like a dozen women that helped me feed her for her first year no that's that's awesome it's awesome to have that network and I broke up with her father Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was the best. And like, I still like every year when it pops up on my feed in Facebook, I share it. Yeah. Like everyone needs to like be aware of this. No, it's, it's, it's super important to, to know those resources in your community, you know, whether you are a mom or not a mom, it's, it's just very important to share that. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. I I think I feel like my question kind of deterred the uh, the conversation. You said that you when you're postpartum, you broke up with your boyfriend. Oh yeah, I broke up with him at like I don't know. I think she was like four months old because 
literally, I was going to college. Like I graduated with my associates um, when she was three months old. And then the next month I was trying to go back to class for my bachelor's. And like my best friend was living with us and like he would just be watching her, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And I'd get calls from her saying the baby's been screaming the whole hour. He's got headphones on. What do I do? So I, I left him. Like I was, if I'm going to be a single mom, I'm going to be a single mom and not have to deal with his passive aggressive BS. Yeah, totally. Almost 11 years later and it's still the same thing. No. Oh, he's great. Um, <laughs> so great. So fantastic. And the fact that he's like, I don't know, like 12 years older than me and it still feels like I'm more mature than him is great. Yeah. 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 No. Um, so like fast forward, I met my at the time husband and we tried for five years to have a baby and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And we ended up breaking up and then, you know, I'm married now and (laughs) almost three years, but she had had a vasectomy before we got together. Ah, Okay. And I'm like, fantastic. I can, you know, I don't have to worry about birth control. This is wonderful. A surprise. (laughs) (laughs) My vasectomy baby is nine months old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, I just have to, I just have to enter. I just have to interject here. You know, I feel like I feel like I've heard more and more stories of where this doesn't like the vasectomy is not successful. It's crazy. And I, I don't know what it is. The but I said it's like a one percent chance. Really? <laughs> wow. But one percent out of a hundred is one out of a thousand. Right. That's, what, a hundred or ten or something? Whatever. I suck at math. Right. Totally. One <laughs> totally. percent is a pretty big number. It is a pretty big number. Totally. No, it, it absolutely is. That's that's so true. It's, yeah. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Three years. Three years post me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> But, um, so he had three, he has actually they're here right now. He has three boys with his ex. Um, so (laughs) the older boys are Irish twins. So they're 11 and 10. My daughter turns 11 in three days. Mm -hmm. So we totally have like Irish triplets or whatever. (laughs) Yes. Boys. Five and now we have a nine month old, so we have five children. Wow, <laughs> full house and chaotic and crazy. And I swear, like, another one can't happen because we don't have any seats in the van. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Um, no one wants to get a new van, that shit's expensive. <laughs> like, I want one because did you know they have ones with like vacuums in it? Really? I did not know that. That's actually pretty nice. That's actually yeah, I mean, I like that. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so we found out in like sometime in the summer that I was pregnant. And then we ended up telling his ex just, you know, because we were going to tell the boys and wanted her to be aware. 
And then the next month she said she was going to move across country. Mm -hmm. So we're already like, especially for my husband, I think it was a lot harder, obviously, because like, I'm the one growing the baby, but, um, we struggled really hard to like, kind of connect and bond with her. Like the kids, all the kids were stoked and the youngest would be like, there's a baby. And I'd be like, yeah. And then he'd go up to his dad and point at him and be like, is there a baby in your belly? <laughs> no, that's just a food baby. <laughs> so that was super cool. But then we found out in literally the day we got them for Christmas break, we had court and the judge ruled saying that she was allowed to move across country. Mm. And so we were in Washington and she moved to South Carolina. Mm. And this was in your oldest daughter. Pregnancy. This was your oldest daughter. Yes. No, this was all three of the boys. Oh, all three this of the boys. boys. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And so he ended up getting like really depressed, obviously. I mean, even I was depressed and I'd only been in their lives like two and a half years, Yeah. but like they were my kids, right? I didn't birth them, but like, yeah. Anyone who's a step parent knows that they're still your kids. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, any step parent that's a good step parent. Totally. Um, and so, and and I'm dealing with him being super crushed, heartbroken. My daughter, like, being super depressed and heartbroken. And I'm sitting here going, like, well, I have a baby in my belly. Like, mm-hmm. I'm growing this life, and I can't even be happy about it. And it wasn't until like. I don't know. She was born in April. So like February or March, maybe we kind of like healed a little, like he finally cried. We ended up emptying out their bedroom and painting it as a nursery. And I think that whole process was really healing. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though it sucked and it really hurt, but like we were trying to focus on the good. And so in this process, like I convinced, like his ex only had cesareans. It's like she had scheduled cesareans. So he's never seen like physiological birth. He's never seen labor. Mm -hmm. He didn't know what like anything meant. And I was listening to all sorts of birth podcasts nonstop. Mm -hmm. Just like in passive and like he's picked up on a lot, but he at that point like didn't know what, you know, a placenta was like a shit you not. He didn't know what a placenta was. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this man is like 12 hours younger than me. <laughs> and like I'm a doula, so I live and breathe this. And yes. he's like, wait, you have to birth a placenta? It doesn't just come out with the baby. <laughs> so mm-hmm. okay, so, so I convinced cute. them that we were gonna use midwives. And he was like, okay, because we had had one experience with an OB that like, obviously I'm, I'm plus size, like I'm a size 20, like in pants. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm short and we went to an OB and he was, and it was like the verifying that you're pregnant kind of thing. And so I was like, I don't know, six weeks. And he was like, oh, well, we need to do diabetes testing. And I was like, no, you don't. That's not standard until like what 26 weeks or something mm-hmm. he was like well you probably already have diabetes and don't know it mm-hmm. and then he was like I need you to get undressed so I can do a pelvic exam I'm like you don't need to do a pelvic exam to confirm I'm pregnant and it was like this horrible come to find out that like he actually 
ended up retiring because so many people had been complaining about him. Wow. Yeah. But because of that experience, my husband was like, okay, yeah, we can, we can check out some midwives. Yeah. And I was like, sweet. So I can have a birth center or a home birth because COVID was a thing. Okay. And I was like, yeah. how am I supposed to go to a birth center when I don't know if my husband can go when I don't know if I can bring a doula when my daughter wouldn't be allowed. Right. Um, like we were really freaking out. So I was like, I want a home birth. And he was like, no, nah, I don't know how to do that. Mm. No, nah, I don't know how to do that. And then I was like 30 weeks at the midwives and I, so she was like, so we're just confirming you're going to do birth centers, not home. And I was like, well, actually, I think I want to do a home birth. And he looked at me and he was like, you're what? <laughs> like what? Like totally shocked, freaking out. Uh-huh. So she gave us the information on like what the difference is between the, the home birth and the home birth and the birth center birth and said mm-hmm. at your next appointment, just bring back whichever one you decide on. Mm-hmm. And so we're driving back home and he's looking at me and he dead ass says, why do you want a home birth? I don't know how to catch a baby. And I was like, well, that's what the midwives are for. And he goes, wait, you mean they come to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. like, oh, baby, that you call them when I'm in labor, and he's like, "Oh, I thought I thought I had to do it all on my own." Oh, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> you call them when I'm in labor, and they come, and we labor at home, and then they leave. And he was like, "After the baby's born," and I'm like, "Yeah, like hours after the baby's born." He's like. Oh, oh, why didn't you say so? I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, he was set. Like, we were going to do the home birth. It was great. Like, we ordered all the supplies. We set up the, like, bedroom nurseries so that, like, the birth pool was inflated, blah, blah, blah. So, fast forward, I'm, like, 36, well, I'm almost 36 weeks, and my feet randomly swelled up. Mm like really big. Mm-hmm. And so I called the midwives and I'm like, so I'm swollen, but like my blood pressure is fine. Like I'm not having dizziness or any other signs of preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. But well, we want you to go to the ER and get checked out, go to L and D and like tell them what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we go mm-hmm. there and they're like, no, everything looks fine. You don't have any protein in your, your blood pressure is fine. The baby's fine. Lay off the salt, stay hydrated. Right. Mm -hmm. and I'm like cool that's fine and then they're like well we need you to go get an ultrasound to prove that everything is okay or we'll have to discharge you from our care because it would be too high risk if you have preeclampsia and I'm like okay and they were Mm -hmm. like well and we have to do these blood tests to check your like levels I don't remember what it was but there's like something in your blood that it's like a a protein or something like that creatine creatine, creatinine. I don't know. Okay. And so <laughs> the day that I went in after the ER, the, it was like one point above the baseline, like the normal level. And then two days later, I went to the maternal fetal medicine again, because that's where they sent me for the 20 week ultrasound, because that's just where they sent everyone to do it. Um, and they said everything's fine, but your baby is measuring big. Hmm. 
which I kind of already knew because I've been measuring like a month ahead the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking that the date is wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that the date is wrong. And they were like, well, you had an early ultrasound. So that's correct. Your due date's not wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I kind of thought he was wrong this whole time anyway. My my first daughter was born at 37 weeks, two days. Um, Penny, this one was born at 37, five, but okay. that's like ahead of ourselves. So <laughs> they said that she was off the charts big, measuring greater than 12 pounds at hmm. like 36 weeks even or whatever it was. And that I was fine for a birth center or a home birth, but that shoulder dystocia was a significant risk because of her size. Hmm. And they wanted to make sure that I didn't have gestational diabetes, even though I had already done the like finger prick for a week prior, mm -hmm. like back when you were supposed to do it. And I was fine. I like my blood sugars were perfect. My A1C has always been perfect. Like I'm not diabetic. Yeah. So... The midwives were like, okay, well, prick your fingers for the next couple of days and make sure that there's not any spike. Do this creatin test again. And it was one point below the cutoff line. So they said that I was not high risk and they would continue care. Mm -hmm. But that I wouldn't be able to give birth in the tub because if there was a shoulder dystocia, they needed me out of the tub. Hmm. Now, you know, nine months postpartum, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts, including some free birth society and um, like, do we get home or whatever? And so they talk a lot about shoulder dystocias and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there going. And then there was a video on like gentle birth or something on Instagram. And it basically, there was this woman in labor and something was going wrong in the middle. I told her, I need you out of the tub. We got to get you out of the tub right now. And like five seconds later, she's out of the tub. Mm -hmm. Like they got her out of the tub and they took care of it. And yeah. so I was sitting here, I'm like, well, why, why were my midwives so afraid of a hypothetical big baby, a hypothetical shoulder dystocia and a tub when clearly you could have done something if an emergency did show itself. Right. Yeah. So I'm 36 weeks and a couple of days and I start having contractions mm -hmm. and in Washington state, I guess you're not allowed to have a home birth before 37 weeks or after 42 weeks. Mm. And I was having like every 10 minutes I was having contractions. Mm. And so they told me to come in and take these herbal tincture things and it would stop my contractions. And I'm like, okay, fine. No one talked to me like I'm all for informed consent and mm -hmm. all that, but no one told me what the risks were. And I was so obsessed with the idea of having a home birth, not a hospital birth, because of how traumatic it was with my first, that I didn't think to ask them anything. And my husband, of course, didn't know any better, didn't ask them. So I'm taking these tinctures and I'm stopping my labor and I'd go to sleep and every day I'd wake up with contractions for a solid week. Mm before I hit 37 weeks and then I was allowed to stop taking them. And so then I'd have contractions all day and they'd go away at night, contractions all day and they'd go away at night. Mm. And then finally at like 37, two or three, my water breaks. Mm. And I'm like, sweet, this is happening. 
And my husband is, of course, adorable and panicking. And <laughs> every 10 minutes, you're literally asking, are you okay? Is it, is it okay? <laughs> he was so cute. At one point, I was like, babe, can you go to the store? And he's like, why? What do you need? Aww. I don't care. Just go walk every aisle and pick something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm having contractions they're pretty steady it's okay you know keeping in touch with the midwives and it should be noted that my primary midwife was a student midwife Mm -hmm. and like i called them and i got permission and everything so holly was the licensed midwife and megan was the student midwife and she was technically doing all my care and Holly was just kind of like observing. Mm-hmm. So everything's fine. It's the middle of the night. I'm like in bed. I can't sleep. I finally convinced my husband to go to sleep. And then I, I go to the bathroom and I'm like, I guess moaning through the contractions and I'm not aware of it. So my husband like flies in and he goes, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> and I stand up and he's like oh no there's blood in the toilet oh. <laughs> it's like bloody show or whatever like no mm-hmm. big deal yeah <laughs> and I'm like okay why don't you just call the midwives and just talk to them and so he did and they actually said they were going to come and like check on me so I called my friend Bree who is a student midwife and was acting as my doula and I was like yeah why don't you go ahead and drive over here because she lived like an hour and a half away Mm-hmm. and so like everyone gets there and they check me and they're like yeah you're at like a three I'm like okay whatever mm-hmm. I'm not and, and the only reason my husband checked me is because like my husband was really freaking out and I kind of wanted to know like if I needed to like make someone prep him for delivery right now or like if we had some time so and I was I was just curious because I've been having contractions for like two weeks at this point mm-hmm. and my water was fine. I wasn't having a fever, but I was only at a three. So like I get in the birth tub and it's amazing, but I think it's too hot because like I'm puking mm. a lot mm-hmm. and I have a terrible phobia. I feel like every time I puke, I'm going to die because I'm going to choke on it. <laughs> like I do not like to get sick mm-hmm. and I'm getting sick nonstop. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he is, of course, freaking out because no one, I failed to tell him that you can puke in labor. My bad. Um, mm-hmm. But he's freaking out. My daughter is asleep. The do My doula is there and she's like, she took some really sweet pictures. She kept making sure that I was drinking water. She actually decided to turn some cold water in to cool it down, which helped. But then they were like, okay, we, we're puking. We need to get you out and check you like especially if you're close to delivering, like you can't deliver in the pool. And I was pissed. I was like, fine, whatever. So I finally get out and I'm, my contractions at this point are literally a minute apart. Mm -hmm. And they stayed a minute apart from when, whenever this was until my daughter was born. Oh, wow. Like at least a day a minute apart and I'm not exaggerating because like even afterwards when I was tied to the midwives they're like yeah your contractions were right on top of each other nonstop, and it was back labor again because she was also sunny side up mm-hmm. it's great mm-hmm. uh, so I get out and I get in the bed and Megan checks me and she goes oh great you're at an eight 
cool. Can I, but get back in the tub? No, you can't get in the tub. You're too close. Mm. Mm. Weird. So like, I'm exhausted. I'm at this point, I'm pissed because like the water was the only thing that was making it manageable. Mm-hmm. And like, they call in the second licensed midwife because they had to have one for me <laughs> and one for baby. And Megan doesn't count because she's a student midwife. Mm. So then the other midwife gets there and like, she is not happy. Like, I don't know. It's like 3am or some crap. It's stupid early, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she just is like a cloud of grump. And I never really jived with her. Like we got better towards the end, but like, I never, she wasn't my favorite. Yeah. And so like, I remember being upset about her being there. And I remember like falling asleep in between my contractions and it felt like I was just passing out. Because again, I've been awake for a long time and they go, okay, let's check you again. And so they check me and she goes, oh, and she pulls the other midwives out to talk to them. And I don't know what's going on because I'm like not aware at this time. And then they pull my husband out and I noticed that because like he had been like holding the water to like the straw so I could take drinks of water Mm -hmm. and then they come back and they're like, so you're at a four still. Huh? Oh, wow. So you and I'm like, I'm what? Yeah. Crazy. So you, so you diet, so you, so you digressed, I guess, or you're sort of I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Or, the, or they just, I'm just like, yeah. Or up. yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. I want to get back in the, in the, in the, the water. And they're like, okay. And then they're like, well, maybe we should leave and let you labor some on your own. And I was, and in hindsight, I should have let them, but my husband yeah. was like, no, no, don't leave me alone. Yeah. Don't, don't leave me alone. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, we'll give you another hour. And then they checked me again and I was still at a four. Wow. And it felt like everything from my first birth was happening again. Yeah. I'm stuck at a four. Nothing's going like it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm crying and Holly, I have to say that the one thing I am grateful for is Holly did come up and she was like, what do you need? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't want to fail. And she told me Mm -hmm. the only way that you fail is if you don't tell us what you need. Mm. which was very empowering and kind of gave me permission to give up. Mm. Um, I had spent so much time and energy to have a home birth and no one was encouraging me. Yeah. Like, nobody was like, you can do it. Let's try these positions. Let's do this. Let, no one was encouraging me. Mm-hmm. Like I had all the essential oils, including Clary Sage. I had like the pretty fairy lights, the beautiful tub music, you know, I had all sorts of food. Like it was a beautiful sunny day at that point. Cause it was yeah. like 10 AM or whatever. And no one was like, let's go take a walk. No one was like, why don't you curl up and cuddle your husband or like have a moment with your daughter or let us clear out. Like no one was telling me to like fucking go rub one out and have some oxytocin going or anything. Yeah. They were just like, well, it's just tell us what you need. And I was like, I'm just going to go to the hospital. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay. Mm-hmm. So 
we my husband likes grabbing everything and throwing it in the car and i've been like kind of collecting colostrum because i was leaking and so like i made him grab the little freezer bag of some of the syringes and we go to the hospital and this hospital is not like one i would choose but it's the only hospital in our county mm-hmm. unless you're military and i wouldn't go there anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> even though we're not active or anything um and we get there and like I'm crying and screaming mad because there are speed bumps and construction everywhere and it hurt to drive to the hospital. So my husband says his least favorite part was the drive because he felt traumatized like he was hurting me because mm-hmm. I kept screeching and crying every time we'd hit a bump because <laughs> my contractions <laughs> were still one minute apart this whole time. Yeah. And so we get there. And like, they're like, we need to register you. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck what you do, but you need to call the anesthesiologist right this minute and get him here. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to wait. And so like, and then I'm freaking out and crying because I know that it's going to hurt and it's going to take a bunch of sticks. And no, it actually did not. He got it in one go, which was great. But he didn't realize that my contractions were one minute apart. So you kept telling me before your next contraction, it'll kick in. Mm-hmm. I had five contractions before the damn epidural kicked in. Yeah. So that was like horrible. And then it kicks in and I'm like, oh, oh my God. Okay. So I, I'm hungry. Can I eat now? And they're like, no, you can't eat. So I send my husband out a sneaky sneak to go get food. Right. But by mm-hmm. the time he gets back, I'm asleep. Yeah. So I literally had, he snuck uh, like a, one of those really yummy chicken sandwiches into my purse so that I could like <laughs> sneak bites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't take a single bite out of the stupid chicken sandwich that I promptly forgot about for like three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I ended up sending my doula home because like her baby's refusing to take a bottle and it's like an hour and a half drive. And at this point I felt very much like, well, I'm just inconveniencing everyone. Mm. So I sent her home and my husband's like, freaking out because we're in the hospital and I'm like just trying to sleep and I'm freaking out because I can't feel my legs because my first epidural was such a light epidural I could still move Mm -hmm. but this one I think because I kept saying it's not working it's not working was a very heavy epidural I couldn't wiggle my toes Mm -hmm. um so I was feeling so trapped and I was like okay turn it off I am an idiot (laughs) I'm not an idiot, but like anyone who knows how epidurals work and how it screws up that like cacophony of hormones knows that like that's not going to go well. Mm -hmm. So they turned it off. And then I felt like my whole spine was being shattered by a giant like hammer every minute. Uh, And I was like, nope, put it back, give it back, turn it back on. So they turned it back on and then they were like, well, let's put a peanut ball in between your legs. And the second they did that, I was like, ah, and I'm pushing now. And they're like, well, don't push. We have to check. And I'm like, nope, I'm pushing. Can't help it. Mm-hmm. And then the conium started showing. Mm. And this whole time, like my waters were clear. But then, and, and she was very engaged. Like the whole time she was at like a zero station. Like I wasn't super dilated when mm-hmm. I was like at a four, but she was like right there. So what we think happened is she was blocking the meconium from coming out. Like her, the front bag of the waters broke and then the rest was stuck behind her. 
Um, and so then I'm like, well, I want to get on my hands and knees. And they were like, nope, you need to stay there, blah, blah, blah. And so then like, they checked me and they're like, oh yeah, you're ready to push. And so the doctor who I'd never met before, he's like the laborist. He wasn't like anyone's OB. He was just the on-call guy. He comes in and he's like, okay, push, push, push. And like, at some point, he puts his fingers in my vagina and I'm telling him, stop, get your hands out, fucking get your fingers out of my vagina. Mm. And I was like, do you know what a safe word is? Can I safe word you? Like, please stop touching me. Yeah. And he's like, I can't, I'm sorry. You need to keep pushing. And it hurt so bad. Whatever he was doing was so painful that like it overrode the ring of fire sensation that I had had. Like mm-hmm. it just hurt. It felt like he was ripping me. And I was like, you better not be giving me an episiotomy. I don't want to be cut. And he's like, I'm not push her out. And so like, I pushed her head out and then he was telling me to stop pushing. And I'm like, I can't stop pushing. Mm-hmm. And she comes out and then she came out like literally in like a pool of meconium mm. and she was limp. And they cut her cord and took her to the stupid bullshit bed thing. Mm-hmm. And then they told my husband, don't let her look. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, give me my baby and I'm freaking out. No one's listening to me. And my husband is a sweetheart and doing what they told him to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not hearing her cry. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not making any sound. And I can't move my body because I literally couldn't move my legs. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even barely push myself up. And like, all I hear is a bunch of like random like talking and like they're bringing in like the deep suctioning machine thing or whatever and then I start hearing like her like gurgle crying or whatever and I'm like okay well like that's good and then I heard them say Apgar like the only thing I remember was that that her Apgar was a three and then they were like gave me a shot in my legs because like I'm bleeding profusely mm-hmm. and they're like we need you to get your placenta out like you need to get the placenta out I'm like it'll come when it comes let me see my baby and like no one was letting me see her no one would tell me what was going on I remembered screaming at them does someone tell me what's happening and no one was listening to me And I'm pretty sure that he just stuck his hand in and got my placenta out because I don't remember pushing it out at all. I don't remember it happening because I was like trying to look over on my left to see my daughter who wasn't really making any noise. And then like, he's like, okay, got the placenta, give her another shot. And then, and then he said something like throw the line open or whatever. So I'm assuming they were like, turn the pit on. Like, I'm assuming that I was hemorrhaging or trying to hemorrhage or whatever. Like mm-hmm. no one really fucking communicated with me because I'm just a dumb woman. I don't know anything about my body or birth. Mm-hmm. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Um, oh. And then he leaves. He leaves. 
So now I've got like these nurses trying to clean me up and my husband just holding my hand and refusing to move. And I literally told him, if you don't fucking move, I'm going to divorce you. Mm. Essentially. Like, I don't think I said it in those words, but eventually he moved. Right. And I got to see them with this. I got to see them with the mask on her face and like massaging her and like suctioning her and I'm like what is going on and so someone finally was like she had a lot of meconium that she aspirated and she wasn't breathing very well so we had to blah blah Mm -hmm. they like get her kind of stable and then they're like trying to wheel her out of the room and I was like no you are bringing her to me and they were like well and I'm like you will bring my daughter to me like right now and so they're like okay just for a minute so the picture that I sent you where it's like her hand and mine and my husband's was literally mm-hmm. after they brought her over to me mm-hmm. and like, let me touch her for a couple of minutes. And mm-hmm. then they took her. Mm-hmm. Like that was the first contact I had with her yeah. after pushing her out. And so then I'm like, okay, where are you taking her? I want to follow you. And they're like, no, you have to wait till your epidural wears off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, no, I'm going to follow her. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's my baby. And they're like, no, you you can't go anywhere until your epidural wears off. I'm like, why can't I be pushed in a wheelchair? Right. And they're like, because you can't get out of bed into the wheelchair until you can feel your legs again. Yeah. Oh, God. So, and then I was like, well, don't forget her. Don't forget my breast milk. And they're like, what? And I was like, there's breast milk in the freezer. And so, like, they got those for her. They ended up coming back and they were like, do you have more? Her sugars are really low and we've used it. And I was like, yes, I have more at home. So like I sent my husband and I told him I wanted a pump and he was really upset because he's like, I don't want to leave you. And I was like, if you want to help me right now, you will go get that milk. Mm -hmm. Because I became like really obsessed over breastfeeding her because like at that point I felt like I failed her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm. I remember thinking that she was going to die and I wasn't even get to get and get to see her mm. because no one was letting me know what ha- what was going on after she came out. And like, I knew she was limp because I could feel it. And I, and it felt different than when my first daughter was born. Like it felt different and their reactions obviously were way different, even though they cut her cord and took her, Like, it wasn't, like, this sense of emergency and doom like it was when Penny was born. And so I was laying there feeling like she was dying, and I wasn't even going to get to look at her because they wouldn't let me see what was happening. And, like, my body must have failed her. Like, at least I can give her food. And so he does, like, 45 minutes home and back to bring more milk. Cause I had like, I don't know, I think like five or six ounces total of colostrum and those little syringes mm-hmm. and like, they transferred me finally, like I could not walk. Um, but I lied to them and said I was walking fine. Like I had enough control to stand upright, but I was like having to shuffle my feet cause I couldn't lift my legs to walk. And I'm pretty sure the nurse could tell because she ended up like helping me to the bathroom and then to the wheelchair. And she like gathered all this stuff for me because like I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And they put me in the room right across from the NICU doors. And this was just like a, I don't know, whatever the lowest level NICU was, like a level one. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
then like my husband gets there and like I get cleaned up they like came in to massage on my belly which was fantastic and like I'm realizing that like my leg hurts so bad I like ended up pulling something while I was either trying to move or moving in labor because I couldn't feel it (laughs) so I had like a torn muscle in my thigh that took like a month to heal Mm. um they're like you need to get some rest and I was like no so I pumped and then my husband like I convinced him to lay down and he had been awake this whole time so he like falls asleep on the couch and so I take this milk with me and I go in there like I knock on the door and they let me in and like I'm I'm touching her God, this is like really hard. Yeah. So I'm I'm holding her fingers. And like, there's like no one near me really. Like, cause like, it's a weird, like, I don't know if this is like normal NICU nursery thing, but like, they were just like curtained off little sections. They weren't like rooms. Mm -hmm. So like, no one's really by me. But like my curtains open and I can see like the nurses there and I'm holding her fingers and I'm talking to her. And then I'm like, that's weird because she started like she like started like roboting her arms and her legs were like bicycling and I'm like that's is she getting angry like and then I was watching her stupid monitor and her O2 starts dropping Mm. and I'm like that that that's not good like that's not good Mm -hmm. and then everything starts blaring and she's like having a seizure Mm. and like I remember like that it was like an out-of-body experience I remember like backing up because I knew that I would not be able to help her and I would be in the way but like inside I'm like don't leave her she needs you but like I backed up and like they descended on her or whatever they ended up having to bag her and breathe for her and like I was watching all this happen <laughs> and I don't remember this fact and I didn't know my husband was there because like I remember him being asleep I remember the seizure and then I remember him holding me but I don't remember him being there well come to find out he had walked in behind me because me leaving had made him wake up Mm -hmm. and so he had seen the whole thing too and the reason he was holding me is because he had taken me and like moved me out of the way while I was like basically in shock staring at her Mm -hmm. So like I watched her stop breathing and I watched them bag her and they got her stable and like, they were like, well, that was a fluke. Like, we don't know what caused that. Everything will be fine. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to run some tests, like go back to your room or whatever. So like, I go back and I like, I pump and they bring me food and like, I go to the bathroom and I come back and like, then they I and then I couldn't sleep and everyone kept telling me to rest so my husband had made up the little couch bed because that was way more comfortable than the stupid hospital bed in the postpartum room like Mm -hmm. the couch beds are never comfortable but it was more comfortable than the hospital bed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I fell asleep and so what happened is they called the room and they were like she's hungry do you want to try and feed her and he told them no she just fell asleep feed her the milk 
And then they came in, they were like, she's had another seizure. Um, we're going to consult with children's basically. Mm -hmm. And so then I go in there and they're like, she's stable. She's fine. Do you want to hold her? And so like, I got to hold her and she had like a nose oxygen thing, like the nasal, whatever oxygen going. Um, and like, I got to like feed her a little bit. Everything was looking kind of good. And then like she had another seizure. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, we are not equipped to handle this. We need to transfer her to a higher level NICU. Mm -hmm. And they were either going to send her Seattle Children's or Tacoma Mary Bridge Children's. And both of them are really like the same distance from us. Yeah. But like, I didn't want to deal with Seattle Children's. Mm -hmm. I would rather deal with Tacoma. Because mm -hmm. Seattle Children's is in Seattle and Seattle traffic is like horrible. Yeah, seriously. Even with COVID, it was still horrible. Yeah, I hate driving in Seattle. Hear that? <laughs> oh. You want to go somewhere that's 45 minutes away? It's going to take you an hour and a half to two hours. Just yeah. Play totally. it on it. Totally. Even on a weekend, it's still horrible. <laughs> Unless it's like 3 a.m. AM is the perfect time to drive through Seattle. So like they're like, okay, we're gonna transfer her. We're gonna transfer her by like this like baby ambulance thing. Like it's a whole team where they have like a like a a breathing person and like a nurse and like they have special a specialized team for a NICU transport essentially. And then they were like, we have to intubate her because if she has a seizure and stops breathing while we're driving, it's too risky to try and do it. Mm -hmm. And I straight up said, I can't watch this and walked out of the NICU and then basically like collapsed crying on the door because I left her. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't watch him do it. Like, mm -hmm. I know what it looks like to have someone be intubated. I didn't know what it looked like for a baby to be intubated. And I couldn't handle it. She already had, like, monitors and IVs. Like, I could not handle seeing her get intubated. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I went back to the room and I pumped again. And then they were like, oh, we have more food for you. And I was like, okay, cool. I need you to send the doctor in because I need my discharge papers. And they were like, uh, you can't discharge. I'm like, cool. Then send me the AMA papers. And mm -hmm. they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm leaving this hospital with her, whether it's against medical advice or a discharge. Mm -hmm. And like this nurse and the trend, the training nurse with her, cause she had a, a student nurse with her were like flabbergasted and shocked. And they were like, well, let, let me go talk to my supervisor, blah, blah. blah. And like, so I'm, my husband's packing everything up. Cause I'm telling him to pack shit. And I'm like, one of the nurses, the nurse in the delivery room made me these padsicles. <laughs> huh. <laughs> like, I didn't tear, surprisingly. Mm. But those things just hit so different. <laughs> the first, like, 24 hours postpartum. <laughs> so I'm, like, stealing all these, like, padsicles and putting them in my bag. Because <laughs> I'm taking them with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And like and I'm bleeding so horribly like I'm still bleeding very heavily like mm. I don't really remember bleeding after my first like I know I did but I think it was only like five six days and then I like kind of stopped and then I had my period 28 days later oh wow yeah it sucked 
Mm-hmm. It sucked mm-hmm. because I had my period for like three months while I was pregnant with her too. Like I was in denial, but oh, this wow. time I got nine months without a period. Like that was cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like mm-hmm. high on the little things, the little joys. Yes, the little joys. So, they come in and they're like the doctor will be in to see you and it wasn't the same doctor that delivered Mm -hmm. um and she comes in and she's like normally we wouldn't discharge you because you are still bleeding way too much but we're gonna go ahead and do it so you can follow your daughter and so like that's cool. I get paperwork signed. I go in there and they're like, we've had to sedate her because we couldn't intubate her otherwise. So like, she looks like she's dead. Because like she's sedated and, and, and intubated and all these, and then she's in the little isolate that they transferred. And it was just, it was so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, so you guys might as well like go home before you go to the hospital. Cause we're going to beat you there obviously because they have lights and sirens and stuff mm-hmm. um and then we have to get her like in before we could even tell you what room she's in so like my husband and I go home and take a shower together and I'm just like I'm numb because I'm home and my baby's not with me yeah and like I had to call my mom and have her fly up from Phoenix because my friend who was staying with my older daughter like she had to go back to work and like you couldn't have kids because like I don't know if what the rules are in the NICU anyway but because of COVID like she wasn't allowed at all at the Mm -hmm. hospital yeah Mm -hmm. um so like my husband and I get there and like I guess she had another seizure so they ended up giving her like a barb barbit barbituate yeah. yeah, an yeah. anti-seizure bed. Yeah. Um, and so she's like completely sedated. Like you could change her diaper and move her and she wouldn't cry. Mm. And like, let me tell you, these NICU nurses there, like this was the like highest level NICU. It was one of the two high, like Seattle Children's and Mary Bridge are the only two level whatever in the state of Washington. And in fact, Alaska and Idaho and Oregon will also send their babies there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but these NICU nurses were like angels. Cause like, I'm crying. I'm a mess. I'm trying to figure out pumping and like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not sleeping. And like, they made up the bed in there for me. And it was like a little single, but me and my husband are like cramming on it together. Cause like, he's not going to leave me. And like, and they're explaining things to me and they like, so they call it cares like, and they do everything at once so that they don't like, I guess, disturb them too much. And so they're like, they'd have to lift her up to change her diaper. And so they would help it so that we could at least like hold her while they're changing her diaper and like changing the sheets, even though like we weren't able to take her out of the bed. Um, mm-hmm. But they were just, they were so good. And like what it ended up being is I guess her sodium levels were too low and it caused seizures. Mm-hmm. And when she would have the seizures, she wouldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. But like everything ended up being fine we spent five days in the NICU because like she was sedated for two days and they did a giant like 24-hour EEG there wasn't any seizure activity noted on it Mm -hmm. um 
And then they had to wean her from being, they had to extubate her and then they had to wean her to room air. And then she had to like hold her temperature and then she had to eat. And like, I was pumping every two hours Mm. because that was the only thing I could give her. Yeah. And like, when she, when she finally got to nurse the first time I cried because like, I didn't really get to nurse my oldest because like after she had had bottles for a week, she didn't want to. And like, I didn't really know any better. I didn't have anyone to help, but Mm -hmm. Penny was on an NG tube. So she didn't have like that. She didn't really get bottles or anything. Mm -hmm. So then when she could eat, she was just, she ate and like, she, we still nurse. She's nine months and we've been nursing the whole time. Mm -hmm. She loves food though. (laughs) Um, who loves food especially taco night because she goes ham on the beans and everything (laughs) but like so she's fine now but like I ended up getting really bad postpartum again and I did not ask for help for five months Mm. because we got discharged like when she was like five days old and then like she was she was like choking when she was eating and it wasn't like a fast letdown. Cause I would even like relieve milk before I'd nurse her and she was still choking. And finally one of the lactation consultants I saw was like, well, it looks like she has lip tongue and buccal uh, cheek ties. Mm. And so we went and saw someone and they revised those. And that was really traumatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one warns you that you have to stretch them after. Yep. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And they hate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. and it's horrible mm-hmm. yeah it <laughs> um, really but then, is like she stopped choking as much yeah but I ended up getting like postpartum OCD where I would like not sleep because I had to watch her breathe and if I wasn't watching her breathe she was gonna die and I had crazy anxiety and all that like led into like depression and we moved at four weeks postpartum across country mm. because we wanted to be with the boys like we wanted to be a family, not across country. Um, so we're in South Carolina now and I didn't get a six week postpartum checkup because I didn't have insurance here. And when I got insurance, it was two months before I could see anybody. Mm-hmm. So I was five months postpartum before I was like, okay, look, I can't handle it anymore because last night I thought she'd be better off if I was dead. And I know enough to know that's not a normal or a safe thought. Mm -hmm. And so like they finally put in like an emergency thing and I got help. And like, I'm better now, Mm -hmm. but like, it was rough. It was really rough. And I just wish that, like, there's a lot of things I wish I would have done differently. Like, I wish I would have never done all the ultrasounds because, like, every time we did an ultrasound, there was something else to be worried about. And, like, I wish that I would not have tried to stop the labor for a whole week at 36 weeks because I think that's why she had so much meconium because she was trying to come for a whole week. Yeah. And, like, everyone's like, well, meconium happens when they're either, when they're, like, you know, older babies or when they've had like trauma or stress. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's a little traumatic being in labor for so long. Yeah. But they never told me that these are risks with stopping your labor. No one told me that, you know, 
you could just do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like I can given birth at home at 36 weeks, like 35, 36 week old babies don't usually go to the NICU. Yeah. Like you don't usually get steroid shots for that. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of a variation of normal. Like she was ready to come and I wish I would have just trusted myself and stopped blindly having put trust into these midwives that weren't really listening to me and just listening to rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh. Well, Brina, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to say I'm, I'm so sorry for, for this experience. Um, and yeah, I feel it deeply and I, I, but I appreciate you so much, um, trusting me today to, to, to record your story, to listen to your story. Um, it's, it's, it's quite an honor, um, to be able to hold space for you today. I, I genuinely appreciate it so much. Um, I really appreciate you doing this because I haven't really talked about it outside of my counseling and my husband. Yeah. This is like kind of cathartic in a way to get it out there yeah no absolutely absolutely it's it's important that we talk about this and that we not hold it in be it be it a really uh you know some a birth that we really loved and that you know a birth that we really loved or birth that was pretty traumatic for us um we should be able to share this and we should talk about this um and you know have other people be there to witness us it's it's so important um yeah so again thank thank you so much um and is there any last parting words of wisdom um that you would like to leave our listeners with today um I think it's twofold. Like one, don't wait to get postpartum help. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Just don't wait. Yeah. <laughs> because the night and day difference, how much better I feel after getting help instead of drowning and all that. But also mm-hmm. trust yourself, dude. Like even if you're going against the grain or, you know, someone's telling you, oh, that's risky. Like, you know, yourself, you know, your body there's risk no matter what you choose so choose what feels right for you and don't let people make up your mind for you yes absolutely couldn't not agree more with that thank you brina so 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 much it was so great to have you here thank you thank you yeah thank you so much for listening storytelling is a profound agent of change one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.